0: Welcome to On Leading, I am Shauna Steffen. The B Corp movement may be the most important movement of the 21st century given the widespread impacts of business on the planet and the vast potential for business to be a force for good. Jay Gilbert is a co-founder of B Lab, the social enterprise behind the B Corp movement. B is for benefit, and together with B Lab's other founders, Jay is a recipient of the prestigious Skoll Award for Social Entrepreneurship in recognition of the global benefits arising from B-Lab's efforts to redefine success in business. Certified B Corps are one route to doing just that. A certified B Corporation is to business what USDA organic certification is to food. Collectively, B Corps lead a growing global movement of people using business to solve social and environmental problems. As of spring 2016, there are over 1,600 certified B Corps from 42 countries and 120 industries. The B Corp community is catalyzing policy change across the United States and world to enable companies to register as benefit corporations, thereby legally protecting and bounding them to serve the triple bottom line of people, planet, and prosperity. The not-for-profit B Lab also drives impact investment to companies doing well by doing good through their GEARS rating system. Jay left his role as founder and CEO of the $250 million and one company to pursue his vision of a shared and durable prosperity for all. In this interview, we discover how the B Corp movement has scaled across countries and continents by embodying restorative leadership. And we learned what it takes to be ranked as the best company, not just in the world, but for the world. Jay, what a pleasure to get to visit with you. Your vision of using the power of business to solve social and environmental problems. When you speak to using the power of business to do just that, what are you ultimately envisioning that change to be? So I think the most succinctly we've been able to put it is
1: that the future that we see that we'd like to help co-create is one in which society enjoys a shared and durable prosperity, shared in the sense that everybody born on the planet has an opportunity to reach their full potential as a human being, which means to provide for themselves, for their family, to make a contribution to the good of the whole. And that durable in the sense that our efforts to do that don't compromise the ability of, uh, you know, generations unknown to do the same. Mm. And so that's a future that we're hoping to co-create.
0: Beautiful. And so with that vision in mind, what do you see as the greatest challenges or threats to it? Fulfilling inertia Mm.
1: for the most part, A body in motion stays in motion, you know. It's a a law of physics that things don't change direction sort of on their own. And so a system may sort of dissipate in energy, you know, uh, over time. And maybe this system would do that at some point in the future would collapse or devolve into something else. But that feels an awfully long way away and the the pain that is likely to be felt by all of us, if we just sort of allow the system to move in its current path and with the current sort of under the current operating system, would be pretty tough to endure. And so it requires some consciousness and courage to actually change behavior. Hmm. And I think the hardest thing to do is to give people the tools or create the right environment or platform in which people make the decision to align their uh, intentions with their actual behavior. And I'm no different. Like, you know, there can be a huge gap between what we say and what we do. And it's that gap that I think is, is the biggest challenge for all of us, whether it's what I want to do when it comes to my purchasing or to my own investments, or it's, what I want to do with my business, you know, to do anything other than what you did yesterday is hard because it requires consciousness and it requires you to blaze a new trail of some kind and blazing a new trail is an awful lot harder than walking down the same old rutted path. And as a culture, we're in a pretty rutted path right now, focused on consumption, materialism and of a hyper-individualism and and a system that encourages all of those things, actually rewards all of those things. And so even while most people, I don't believe, actually would say they subscribe to that as like part of their value system, to actually not act that way uh, requires a tremendous amount of effort because you are individually... And we are collectively swimming up against a very, very strong current, cultural current that's moving in the opposite direction. And so, giving people the visibility, the strength, the courage, the tools, the whatever you want to call it, to actually swim against that tide or to step out of that stream and, in, and into a new one is hard work. Because, in general, it's a lot easier to float in the direction the stream is carrying. That's why it's inertia, to me, is the biggest impediment to change, not people's mindsets or better systems or better choices. I think plenty of those things exist, and yes, they could all be improved, but arguably the biggest challenge is just, no, that's a really cool idea, and I definitely want to do it, but, you know, I've got these four other things that are higher on my priority list right now. That's a nice to have, not a need to have. It's important, but not urgent. And so it, it then gets pushed off and pushed off and pushed off. And every time that gets pushed off individually, the sum total of millions of those actions getting pushed off means that the whole system continues to lumber forward. And I think that that's like the biggest force that we're fighting against.
0: Could you say something about how you all, given the reality of that system inertia, how in the world you figured out how to approach the change that you have been facilitating and orchestrating to actually result in a redirection?
1: You know, Sean, I'm, I'm very reluctant to phrase anything in the past tense. It feels a little either way premature, self-congratulatory, you know, or delusional in terms of where we actually are on the path. As far as what we're doing or how we got to this, I think, you know, most importantly, it was we were listening. And none of us have ever had an original thought, and so there's nothing about B corps that is particularly
0: original. Certifications have existed for a long time. Rating systems and standards have
1: existed for a long time. The notion that there was this thing, in corporate law, called shareholder primacy, was not like an unknown fact for folks. And there have been plenty of people that have been advocating for new corporate forms before. And so, what if we did anything? It was we, we took good ideas, we listened to good ideas as they were being articulated in lots of different areas and we were able to see how they were connected and were able to pull those things together and then put a frame around them that made made the whole more visible and a a little bit more intelligible for folks. And by pulling a lot of those disparate threads together made the whole thing a little bit more powerful than it would have been each of them in, in their discrete area. And so while there already were you know Whatever, thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs all around the world that were using business as a force for good, they didn't necessarily see themselves as part of a coherent movement to redefine success in business. What they saw was a go local movement or a microfinance movement or a clean tech industry or a green building industry. And so, what the only thing that we were hopefully able to contribute was to say, wow. You're all doing amazing things, and you all actually share something very profound in common, which is that you're all using the power of business to solve social environmental problems. The power of business to not only have a better bottom line, but to be better for your workers, better for your communities, better for the environment. That's the unifying principle here. And if we can create a frame through which all of you feel comfortable being seen, that's going to all of a sudden frame a marketplace into existence that many people didn't know existed or thought was much smaller than it was. And so we were were taking things that already existed and arranging them in a way that made them more visible and compelling. And then, again, lots of certifications or standards existed elsewhere. And so we were just able to say, oh, the idea of certification and standards is important. Let's create one that looks at the whole company, not just the building or the bag of coffee. And so the insight was only to say, let's take something that's working over here and apply it into this new context. And then the last piece of the standards was on the legal front, which, again, we met really cool people who told us things that seemed important. And we need to address the problems that they were pointing out to us. And that led us to figuring out how we could address that fundamental system design problem with this current sort of shareholder form of capitalism and help evolve it into what we think is a higher form of capitalism, which is stakeholder capitalism, which is a capitalism at which all stakeholders' interests have to be balanced, as opposed to a capitalism in which there is a single dominant interest, which is the shareholder. Because if that's the case, it inevitably leads to inequality and pretty significant externalities in the environment. And so I'd say the most important thing we did to figure out what needed to be done was to listen to all of the entrepreneurs that were already out there doing amazing things and listen for their their needs and figure out where there was commonality and then just sort of play that back to them in a way that made them felt heard and also created a platform on which they felt they could be empowered. The B Corp framework, the B Corp community created a team where one didn't exist before or where they they didn't realize that it existed before. Mm -hmm.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Speaking of team, you and your team, the B-Lab team and B Corp, broader B Corp team, is doing a remarkably successful job of scaling across. What is key to being able to do that successfully, to being able to scale across states and countries?
1: Well, so at the risk of Being repetitive, I'd say that the the key ingredients to scaling in any direction are going to start with listening, right? Right. You're going to start with making sure you understand other people's needs and other people's interests to figure out how you can help them get where they want to go and figure out where there's commonality because it's an awful lot easier to get someplace if you're both paddling in the same direction. And so the first most important thing is listening. Right. And, and then the second thing is, is what you're listening for are areas of commonality. And in particular, at the, I think at the highest level is a, around a common vision or a common destination. Not where you are or what are you doing right now, but where are you trying to get to? And while not everybody would have called it a shared and durable prosperity, Some people might have said a different way to do business or transform the way the world does business or make business a part of a solution or doing well by doing good or creative capitalism or natural capitalism or conscious capitalism, all different expressions of the same basic idea. And so what we heard was there was an incredible amount of commonality in sort of vision, which was this idea of a shared and durable prosperity and that there was alignment also on a broad strategy to get to that, which was rooted in a common insight from entrepreneurs from Kenya to Kansas that government and nonprofit organizations were necessary but insufficient to creating a shared and durable prosperity and that business is one of the most powerful forces on the planet and until and unless we really figure out how to use that tool for a higher purpose than just amassing personal wealth, we really wouldn't get there. And what we boiled that down to is a phrase of redefining success in business. And so seeking a fair and durable prosperity by redefining success in business is in stating those things clearly. And then fortunately, in this case, having lots of people rally toward that vision and that strategy from, as you said, scores and scores of industries across dozens of countries. That is what ultimately scales across right? What scales across is not an organization. What scales across is an idea and a sense of shared purpose and ideally beneath that a a sense of common strategy to getting there and that's ultimately what's scaling. What distinguishes this movement to redefine success in business from other versions of the same was that we created a class of companies that were going to be easily identifiable as manifesting those values and practicing that type of business at a very high level of performance. And so that enabled there to be a sense of of really tight community beyond purpose. But that community was also linked by a high level of performance and accountability and transparency, like actual rigorous standards that created both an aspirational club that we all wanted to belong to and also hopefully creates a North Star or other companies to navigate by and to say, that that's the direction in which I want to head. I may not get there or I may not want to ever be like literally certified, but at least I know what success looks like. I know it's possible. And I know there are lots of other companies that I respect and admire that are able to do it. So it's, it's no longer an excuse to say, I don't think it can be done. It's no longer an excuse to say, I'd like to do it, but it's illegal. You know, I can be sued for it. I can't take that risk. We could remove those impediments, create a clear north star for people to shoot for, and build a really vibrant community of companies that could all feel like they are uh, part of the same team, and all feel like they're in great company together because they earn their stripes to be called a leader, and that creates some cohesiveness and some energy. And I think that's what's being scaled across is vision, strategy, and then the sort of structure that makes successful execution of that strategy visible and replicable.
0: Thank you. What would you say is distinct about leadership within the movement to redefine business that has translated to such progress?
1: Yeah, I'd say the biggest thread across all the B Corp leaders that, that I've met is the humility to recognize that they can't do it alone and that the kind of world they want to create is not going to be achieved by their business by itself, no matter how successful. And so even though each of these individual business leaders have already made incredible decisions to put the common good above their own personal success with their own business, they've sort of doubled down on that same sentiment by recognizing that they need to be part of a community in order to achieve the change, you know, uh, affect the change that they want to do. And so I'd say The biggest common thread is the humility to recognize that uh, social change is a team sport.
0: Restorative leadership is leadership that recognizes the interconnectedness of all life and acts for the highest benefit to all. It's striving to do no harm and to heal the earth, our communities, and ourselves. What are some examples you see of B Corps demonstrating restorative leadership?
1: Well, it sounds like the definition of restorative leadership is, is captured pretty well in the Declaration of Interdependence mm-hmm. that is signed by Court. I think a lot of the concepts and, and threads are, are right there. As far as in practice, a couple illustrative examples, right? A, a neighbor of yours and a company we're both familiar with, Nomad State Solar, is an incredible example to me of restorative leadership in that not only are they sort of bringing Renewable energy to residences and commercial, you know, business establishments in Colorado, um, and helping to create a transition to a post-carbon economy. But the sort of the organizational structure that they chose to do it as a worker-owned cooperative means that they're looking at the business as a whole. Not only are they getting a place where you can feel proud to go to work every day because of the product that you're delivering or the service that you're delivering, but also that that sort of flat, democratic governance structure is incredibly empowering and affirming of the dignity of every individual person in Namaste, but also uh, helps create wealth creation opportunities for the secretary and the shipping clerk and the person who's installing the solar PVCs, which is a very different corporate structure. And so I think Namaste is an amazing example of a company that's thinking about how it can create benefit for all while doing no harm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that would be, I think, that aspirational goal they would feel very comfortable
0: saying that's where we're headed. Hmm, That's a great one. Thank you.
1: Sure.
0: I love that you mentioned the relationship to the definition of restorative leadership and the declaration of interdependence. And with that really noble commitment that all B Corps make, you have created a, a bar for what best for the world would look like among those committed to this kind of a shared vision for the world. So as you've observed over the years of this unfolding, the businesses that you work with and serve and learn from, what do you think it takes to be the best for the world?
1: I think what it takes first is a clear intention that that's what you, that's what you'd like to be. Thoreau has got a great quote, which is something along the lines of In the long run, we always hit what we aim at. And so we might as well aim high. I think what it starts with is purpose and intention. And so I think that what it takes to be the best for the world is that's what you want to be, that's what you aspire to be. And then the second thing I think it requires is an incredible tenacity and desire to continuously improve. And the desire to continuously improve is one thing, the tenacity to do that, you know, year in and year out, and to find sort of joy and satisfaction in every step, every forward progress that you make without getting too daunted by, even though you're perfectly aware of how much farther you have to go, is the second, probably biggest, most important ingredient. And then the third is that notion of interdependence that you talked about before, Shauna, which is recognizing that you don't have all the answers, you don't have all the resources, you don't have all the tools, the know-how, the knowledge, the expertise, the relationships, and so you better bring to this endeavor a large dose of humility and sort of almost like an urgent need to collaborate and to partner with others. Purpose, tenacity, and a spirit of collaboration. Those are the three things it takes to succeed at being the best for the world.
0: Hmm. And so my last question is, what gift of insight or wisdom that you've gained on your own journey, would you offer those working for positive change?
1: You know, take some of the things that we try to remember here at B-Lab every day, which we don't necessarily always do, are uh, remember this is a marathon, not a sprint. And so you've got to pace yourself and refresh yourself and restore yourself because it's a long journey. Take the work seriously, but not yourself so seriously. So, you know, be attached only to the goal, but not to any particular strategy or or tool or organization that you're involved with along the way. uh, Because those aren't the important things. The important thing is is ultimately it being service of the vision. And to remember that Uh, Wisdom is going to show up in a lot of places, but only if you're
0: looking for it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been On Leading with Shauna Steffen interviewing Jay Gilbert. Thank you for joining us to learn about how the B Corp movement has scaled across countries and continents by embodying restorative leadership and learning what it takes to be the best for the world. To learn more about restorative leadership, and the Restorative Leadership Institute, which founded as a certified B Corp and has won a Best for the World award, please go to restorativeleadership.org and follow us on Facebook. To support or join the B Corp movement, go to bcorporation.net. And to hear more about restorative leadership in action, subscribe to On Leading on iTunes.